Welcome to the Sports and Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein. What's up, everybody? Hope you are all doing well out there. Look, I apologize for the week off last week from publishing a new episode. I was on a Royal Caribbean cruise with my family down in the Bahamas. I had to get out of this cold and rainy winter weather we've been experiencing here in Atlanta. But on the plus side, it gave everybody an extra week to listen to Erica Parsons and her husband, Mark, which... I have to say, are one of the most hilarious couples in all the land. So if you have not listened to them yet, I would highly, highly recommend doing so. But we are back today with another great guest. I'm excited for my friend, Mr. Kevin Rubin, to join us today. Y'all know that a lot of the lawyers I've had on this podcast work in the personal injury space. But over the years, we've had a couple of lawyers who work on family law cases, and those episodes always get great review from you listeners. Everybody finds it super interesting. And y'all tell me we need more folks like that because there's more questions you want answered. So that's what we have today. Another great family law attorney with us, Kevin, my man. What's up? Josh, thanks for having me. By, by the way, your tan is impeccable. I mean, is I'm so jealous. You played a part so well, man. Because I haven't gone away. I mean, I wish I could go away, but I mean... Are we still recording? It's 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 been a long, long winter, hasn't it? It really has, and I I wish I could go somewhere warm like you did, but I mean, it's just I I can't. I've I've got commitments, so. Well, you know, it's uh, it's uh, Cobb County. Is it winter break? Is it early spring break? Is it late holiday break? I can't keep track of all these. Well, let's be honest; these kids can't be in school for more than two months without a one week break. It's true. I mean, they can't do it. I I mean, I don't know how we survived as kids. I know. And so the, the trick is, I mean, you got small kids. I mean, going someplace every single time is really hard to do. But by the same token, them sitting at home, that's hard to do too. And, and I'll be honest, I, I see on Facebook, we've got friends and they go away every break. And I'm just like, how do you people do this? But the good thing is I see where they go and I add it to my bucket list. <laughs> there you go. I'm like, if they're going there and we've got similar tastes, I'm going to go there on the next trip. And it works out. Actually. Well, add Royal Caribbean uh, cruise to the list. Yeah. Um, my family loves cruises. They're easy. You show up. Everything's kind of there for you. The food's good enough. Entertainment. Which ship were you on, by the way? Oh, God. Yeah, that's my wife. She does all the planning. Oh. It's Royal Caribbean, but yeah, they've got these different type of... Uh, oh, yeah. So, who knows? But I got, I got to first thank you for bringing this uh, this Yeti, this Ribbon Law Firm Yeti for me. Um, love the color. This is one of those real strong, highly insulated ones. You've got the phone number and website right there. Everything you need. So, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Enjoy it. I will make sure to fill it with some good spirits. So uh, before we get going, um, I want to make sure I, I give the final shout out, the final plug for the March 5th charity event we have coming up. Y'all have heard me talk about it for the last six weeks. You've seen on social media us uh, making posts about it. You've seen Parag Shaw making posts. Um, as, as you know, if we reach the $10,000 goal, which we're pretty darn close. I mean, y'all have been great um, with, with your charity. Um, Parag comes on this podcast March 5th via video and shaves his head for Side by Side Clubhouse, which is a great organization that helps support brain injured victims. So uh, I want you to listen to two things right now. I want you first listen to Parag when he talks about uh, what he's going to do. Hi, I'm Parag Shah. 
the CEO of Miles Mediation and Arbitration. And I'm excited to team up with the Sports and Torts podcast to support and raise money for Side by Side, an amazing organization helping adults with brain injuries. Join us for a special podcast interview on March 5th at 1 p.m. at the Brain Injury Clubhouse in Stone Mountain, or catch the live stream on social media. If we hit our goal of $10,000, I'll shave my head live on the podcast. Sound crazy? Yeah, you're right, it is. But here's the twist. You can choose to donate to save my hair instead. So who will it be? The Snip Squad or the Lock Lovers? Tune in, donate, and make a difference. Together, we stand side by side to change lives. See you there. And then I also want you to listen to Josh Blackman make the final push for Side by Side. Hi, I'm Josh Blackman, Executive Director of Side by Side Brain Injury Clubhouse, a nonprofit organization in the metro Atlanta area advancing the long-term health and wellness of adults with brain injury. Brain injury is a chronic injury that can be treated but never cured. After life-saving treatment, many brain injury survivors face many unknowns, like, will I need nonstop caregiving for my family? Will I be able to work again? Will I have friends and colleagues and live a productive life? Side by Side is the only program of its kind in Georgia helping individuals rebuild their lives after brain injury. For 25 years, we have provided a space for survivors to gather, work, and belong, while providing much-needed respite to family caregivers. We've served over 800 individuals, and this March is Brain Injury Awareness Month. We're partnering with Sports and Torts and Miles Mediation and Arbitration to raise money for brain injury survivors and their long-term support needs. We need your help to reach our goal of $10,000 and get side-by-side advocate Parag Shah to shave his head live at side-by-side on March 5th. Will you stand side-by-side with us to make a difference in the lives of brain injury community? Kevin, what do you think, man? Great. That's great stuff. Great charity. Great charity. We got we to we get that final little leg, get there, right? I mean, you've got some great hair, too. I mean, I don't have it, but you should maybe think about doing it. This my, my part of it was not with the shaving of the head. Um, I will host the podcast. I will watch and enjoy Parag shaving his head. He's got nice, beautiful hair too. But uh, I did not it offer looks, myself. It up. looks pretty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. seriously, that's a lot. That's a lot of hair. I'm <laughs> jealous. I wish I had that hair. All right, man. Well, people that don't know you, introduce yourself, where you're from, family, kind of work your all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, Kevin Rubin. Uh, I do family law. I've been practicing for about 15 years. Uh, graduated from Emory. Um, in a former life, I actually spent about four years doing IT work um, from Philadelphia originally. So uh, go birds. Uh, and um, but been down here approximately 17 and a half years, courtesy of my wife's job. And I was able to transfer to Emory, actually, where because uh, I didn't start at Emory. Um, so born and raised in Philly, um, lived all up the Northeast, went to school in D.C., moved down here. And we've lived down here, three kids. Um, even my in-laws moved down here, which they're from like New York. So it was like culture shock for them. But we do know where the great bagel places are. So I'm a bagelicious guy. Ah, okay. What are you? We go all the way to BB's, 400 McFarland. No kidding. Oh my God. 
They are incredible. Well, my in-laws live closer to there and they're just, I mean, you got to try it. I, don't get me wrong. I love Bagelicious so, too. So, but. so Bagelicious, little known fact, it is the longest running continuous spot restaurant in East Cobb. It has been at its location since the early 1980s, the longest running restaurant in East Cobb. Longhorn used to be number one, and yeah, you know, they just moved up the street um, from their location. So my man Tommy, love him. Uh, we went, went there this past weekend, actually. Um, but I got to try BB's then. You you have, the, I mean, seriously, the bagels are gigantic. I mean, they're like, and I've got, they're like the size of my fists. Okay. Two fists in one. I mean, phenomenal. So IT guy, are you still that? Like, are you? No, you know, I, I still... God, I, my, my IT guy calls me a tinkerer. I'm, I'm, I know enough to be dangerous. I'm, you know, I know enough of like how to, you know, convert files and set up computers. Do I want to do that anymore? Is that the best use of my time? No, but frankly, if someone has an issue around the office, I'm the first line before we call the help desk. In a pinch, you're able to do it. Yeah, I'm pretty good technology. I mean, granted, that was like, God, when was I going to do that? That was back when, like, what, uh, pets.com with the sock puppet. Uh, that was going to be what I was going to do. Internet startup, and then the market crashed. And I'm like, uh, all right, so I'm doing help desk for four years. And then I, my dad was a lawyer. He was a personal injury lawyer. Um, and I just did not want to be like my dad. And then I realized, you know what? I can't fight it. Yeah, uh, it's in the blood, man. What? Well, come, come to the law game. So before we talk about the law stuff, so uh, from Philly, yeah. um, did you say my birds? What, what did you say? What did you say? About go birds. Okay, go birds. So Eagles. That's Eagles. Yes. Um, I was listening closely. Eagles, Phillies, 76ers, Flyers. You chose birds. Yes. So uh, always going to be an Eagles fan. Never not going to be an Eagles fan. And uh, thank God my kids don't know the difference between the Eagles and the Falcons. Uh, so they think <laughs> the Falcon is an Eagle. Uh, but no, I'm still, I'm an Eagles fan. I become a Braves fan. Thank you. I was hoping that was a direction this conversation was going. Yeah, I've been a Phillies fan. Don't get me wrong. My, we had tickets growing up to the vet and um, Veterans Stadium, uh, the infamous, you know, where they were. Uh, batteries at Santa Claus. Mm -hmm, yep. And there was a jail in the, stadium um that was fun uh love the flyers we don't have a hockey team down here anymore uh but that was great growing up and my brothers played ice hockey so we were all into that sixers i mean ever since iverson although he lives in atlanta um i haven't really been a fan i'm not really a hawks fan though but i enjoy it and uh but the braves yeah because my 10 year old obsessed with baseball and so just i converted i guess we're, we're openly welcoming you with open arms what's the deal with philly fans like the reputation is there um i know from watching the braves play the phillies and from the falcons play the eagles like there's truth to it what's the deal we're just passionate uh, um you know and we're we're tough uh i guess i don't know it's it's um that that South Philly mentality of uh, you know we don't care what you think, <laughs> and if you don't care, I mean, and we'll just beat you up. Uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, we're just tough and we love our teams, but don't get, don't get me wrong, we'll boo when we need to. Oh, uh, definitely know how to boo. Yeah, uh, no, I got my story wrong. You you y'all booed Santa Claus, right? And threw batteries at somebody else. Snowballs like, to Santa. Uh, snowballs. Uh, Santa. And I think the former mayor, who then became the governor, uh, was there too. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, we're tough. It's a tough town. You got to be. So I'm okay with the Eagles. Um, 
they got a lot of dogs players on there. I'm a Georgia guy. Uh, I think half of y'all's defense is filled with Georgia players. The so Georgia Eagles. The Georgia Philly Dogs. Oh, yeah, exactly. So the Falcons are hard as hell to root for. So I find myself checking on the Eagles. They, they, you know, I think they'll go again next year. Well, I hope they will go farther next year. The, the second half, I mean, what, the last month or two of the season just strange. sucked. It was strange. But I will say, at least we went further in the playoffs than, and I hope I don't offend anybody, than the Cowgirls. <laughs> and at the end of the day, that's really all that matters to Eagles fans. I mean, that's the one thing that unites Eagles fans and Giants fans, even though we all hate each other too. It's our hate for the Cowboys. So my son is all in the NFL, and it blew his mind when he came across a stat that the Cowboys have not won a Super Bowl in like 30 plus years. Since the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. It seems almost impossible. I'm like, no, dude. They, I mean, they've they've had good teams in the regular season, just like this year, and they get bounced. I saw a funny meme last night where it was like, uh, they ordered the Cowboys ordered Mahomes on Timu, and they got Dak Prescott instead. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like That's that is funny. the best meme ever. That's pretty funny. I like yeah. that. I like that. All right, let's get to the law stuff. So, um, family law. And you said your dad did personal injury work. Was family law something that you gravitated towards, want to get into, or how did it happen? No, I, I sort of fell into it. Um, I guess after my first summer of law school, uh, my wife and I got married. We moved out of, we were living in New York City. We moved out of there and I ended up, she wasn't working for the summer. We were about to come down here and I got a job interning for a judge in Atlantic City uh, where we were able to stay for about two months. And he did family law work. And I just, I, I was, it was interesting. And I was like, whoa, what is this about? And it was fun because I'd get to go and sort of sit in on anything I wanted to, honestly. And the judge liked me. I didn't know him, but, you know, he took me, took a chance on me and I went in and I got to do some legal research, yada, yada. But really go in the courtroom and just watch all of this, like, interesting stuff that I'm like, whoa, what are they fighting over? Imagine um, in Atlantic City, they're fighting over some crazy stuff. Yeah, you know, Atlantic City is interesting because it's, um, and my my parents still live down there, but it's an interesting, it's an island and there's, like, Atlantic City, which the casinos and just really poor area. And then when you get on the other side of the island, it's, like, pretty much the wealth of Philadelphia. So it's quite a dichotomy. Right. But a lot of people live down there permanently. So seeing them fight, and the money, it, it was interesting. Don't get me wrong. The other end of the spectrum was also interesting to watch. How many, how many like bad, terrible gambling losses is what led to this divorce or mm. mortgaging a house or, you know, things that you would, you would, you would think about? There was a lot, but there was, I just remember one time there was one case and the guy came in and they were fighting with his wife and at the end of the day, you know, and the whole mobster thing of Atlantic City too. Um, and he's like, you know, I'm really, your, your honor, because she took my bag of cocaine. <laughs> and the judge was just like, what? And he's like, all right, we're done. We're done. We're just done. And it was like, wow, I can't believe this. Like, this is so awesome. So funny. Um, all right. Now you started your own firm a couple years ago. Yeah, about two years ago. So it'll be um, two years in the in like a day or so actually man. yeah so um and it's been great i mean it was it was nerve-wracking starting your own business um you know I, I love the law i love reading cases i love getting out there in court and then the other side of it is actually running the practice running a business right and it's sort of interesting that part and then the whole you know hiring the firing part is always annoying uh running the business making sure the bills are being paid the marketing it's interesting i've had some 
you know, uh, hiccups along the way, but I've learned my lessons uh, and I'm, I'm in a much better spot. I'm definitely happy for doing what I did uh, and going out on my own. People love hearing that kind of decision point, you know, when you say, okay, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at I'm doing this job, but I've always wanted to start my own firm. Now's the time to start my own firm. Like, Talk, walk us through how you arrived at that place. Before that, I made a decision. I, I've been with a couple other firms in town, mostly doing like high net worth divorce cases. Mm -hmm. um, so I've dealt with, you know, individuals. I mean, God, the the complexity of the marital estates, it's, it's shocking. The businesses that they're into, that's really what I love to do is helping people because it's a personal touch. Uh, sort of like personal injury. Yeah, the people come to you with, I imagine, Shitstorm, right? The biggest emergency of their life, biggest problem. It's their kids, it's their marriage, it's their house, it's their life. Like, it's a big deal, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, how have you learned how to kind of manage that first touch when they come in here? It's like, this is, this is not good. What are we going to do? Yeah, usually that, I mean, when they come to see me, I mean, they're in trauma. Um, you know, their marriage is over. I mean, it is like, you know, one of the worst things that could happen to them in their lives. It's no different than a death. And sometimes I had to tell them that. I'm like, your spouse, you got to treat them like they've died. This is not the person you married, unfortunately. And it's a business decision at this point. And also, if there's kids involved, you got to do what's in the best interest of the kids. And we got to really make sure that, if anything, keep the kids out of it. I always like to say that. I mean, some people don't. They'll involve the kids. I've got cases where, you know, it's like, why are you telling the kids everything? Stop. Judges don't like that. Um, and it's it's never good because then those kids are just going to have problems growing up. And they're, you know, I mean, Lord knows I've seen all sorts of horrible situations. But yeah, they come to me, they're in trauma, they're, you know, they have all these questions and I always give them as, you know, I want to give them as much time as possible to ask any question, regardless of, you know, they might think, oh, this is not, you know, this is probably stupid or not important to you. No, no, no. It's important to you and it means everything to you. And I want to make sure you get the complete answer you need. So what are the three or four most common questions that people have for you in that first day? Oh, God. Um, well, usually it's about money. You know, how are things going to get paid? Like, who's going to be living where? What's going to happen with the kids? Uh, what's going to happen if we go to court? Um, and, I mean, there's not nothing specific per se, but, like, and how much, you know, if there's been misconduct in a marriage, how much is that going to weigh if you're the one that, if you're the bad a actor, you know, how bad is that? If you're on the other side, how much, you know, what can we sort of get out of that? <laughs> when, when, when the bad actor is when it comes to you, um, What's the general tenor of how they explain it? They feel remorseful. They're like, person deserved it. I made, I made a mistake. You see everything? I see it all, but it's, it's usually, so I'll, I'll say it this way. Sometimes it's, there's a cause and effect. And, and you probably see it, personal injury, right? Um, it's, is this the cause of the separation or is this the effect of a marriage that frankly was done years ago. Mm -hmm. And usually, and judges don't, I mean, depending on where you are, you're in the metro area, um, eh, they've seen it already. I mean, uh, reality TV, housewives, I mean, I think it's jaded people's view on this stuff. You go out to the, the non-metro counties, they're like, you know, look, like before you step outside the marriage, end the marriage first, effectively. Um, and it, it, it's a tough line. It depends on that being said, it depends. I mean, really, the, which judge you get, which your strategy is. I mean, in Georgia, you can have jury trials for economic issues, and that's really where this comes into play. Um, and because with property division, it's equal division of property. 
not equal. We're not like California where your community property, you're 50-50. So people try to leverage that. And also how much do they want this out there? You know, a lot of, if you're the bad actor, you don't want your kids to find out. And most of the time it's like, all right, you know, what does your spouse know? <laughs> uh, what, what, what's out there? Um, what's the damage control? We're sort of like a PR team in some ways. How can we uh, uh, help sort of smooth things over? You know, is there a sweetheart deal we can make and just be like, we want to take care of the other spouse, yada, yada. But really, you're just trying to, you know, you don't want this to come to the light of day. The word that comes to my mind is attorneys at law and counselors at law, right? You'd probably do find yourself doing a lot of counseling where you have to, you know, sit and listen, right? Oh, yeah. Where they're just kind of emptying out their guts to you. I'm, I'm sure at this point, there's very few things that can surprise you. You know, every time I think that someone can't push the envelope of humanity, <laughs> someone comes in and I'm like, wow, I did not think that I, I would ever hear or see that. And I've seen and heard some things that I'm just like, I can't unsee. Yeah. Um, or I can't un imagine what that looked like happening but it's also what excites me about this job because it's i don't know i mean and i remember someone is like why do you want to go into family law like you must have a perverted mind and i mean honestly i think all lawyers do but i think given what i do it's i'm just i'm just not surprised and i'm also curious i'm also i'm happily married and i think people are always like how can you do this job and and that well because i love to live a boring life at home uh, because, you know, uh, happy wife, happy life. Um, but you know, I, I see the other side and I'm just like, I love that we're boring. People are like, what do you do from the spare time? I'm like my kids sports. All right. That's what we do. And my wife and I like to sit and we have some shows that we like to watch our guilty pleasures, but other than that we're very boring and I'm happy to be that way. Cause my job is exciting. Cosign. Um, and so with the house, I'll tell you this. So anytime beginning of a divorce case, it's like the wild, wild west until you can either get into court, settle things down, or if I got a great opposing counsel on their side and I'm, you know, we know what's going to happen usually. And we try to, you know, work things out ahead of time. I mean, I remember I had one case where it was like, all right, we got to figure this out. And before we even had to go to court or this or that, we're just talking and we're figuring out, all right, we need this. We can do this. Like, cause we know we can go to court. Or we can apply, you know, again, the counselor part of it or the attorney part of it, knowing what's going to happen and, you know, save them all that money as well as get them in a better spot. But usually there is a bit of a standoff at first, especially if there's young kids. And, you know, dads are way more involved these days than they were in the past. And so it's not this tender years uh, doctrine of, oh, the mom's going to get the kids. Sometimes I have cases where it's like, and it's more I'm sure you've seen it. There's a lot of more stay-at-home dads. Um, or I had a case, I think we just wrapped up, and it was like a two-and-a-half-year case where my guy was like, as the Guardian said in another case, the gold standard of fathers. Like, he was at everything. And it was like, why can't he have 50-50? Um, but with the house, it's there's no good answer. I mean, I always tell clients, look, you know, it's just a house. It, it's And if you got to get out because it's a stressful situation, uh, you guys might get in an argument and unfortunately police are called and, you know, the stereotypes are there and they're usually, you know, that the, it's a man and a woman, the man's typically seen as the aggressor. And I'm like, don't get in that situation. Cause then you might not see your kids for a little bit. And if you got to suck it up and move out of the house for a little bit, we can get to court or we can work something out and get the situation stabilized. But the worst thing would be if you're arrested and then 
that just creates a whole set of other issues right, in the case that, that we that, don't need. That probably tanks the rest of the case to a certain degree. What about expectations? Like everybody comes to you thinking, I shouldn't say everybody, but I'm the I'm on the side of right. This is you know da, 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 this is what I want. Not maybe thinking reasonably or practically. How do you dial it down and say? I get it, I get it, I get it, but this is the outcome that is number one we should be maybe expecting or we should shoot for. It's a better idea to go this route. So I always, well, I always tell my, they're always like, well, how, you know, what what to expect here? I said, look, I can only, there's four players in every divorce case typically, and I can only control one of them, and that's me. And I'm, and they're always shocked when they hear this. And I'm like, and the other one's you, and the uh, third one is your spouse, and the fourth one's their attorney. And depending on who they hire, that'll also tell me a lot about the case. And depending on who they are, especially if there's any substance abuse issues, mental health issues in cases, that could derail things significantly. But I always, I, I tell people when I meet them initially that, look, I'm going to like just tell it to you straight. Because I don't, I don't want to be one of those lawyers that tells you like, yeah, I'm not only am I going to get you the house, I'm going to get you 100 percent of the marital estate, lifetime alimony, blah blah blah, and then you got a client at the end of the day who's like, you didn't get me anything that I told you. I'm like, yeah, I know, but you know what? I, that's that's not me, and I and if that's that's wrong, then I don't want to be right. Right. Um, and I try to be pragmatic. That being said, I always tell them, look, between when we're here in, you know, attorney client communication, I'm going to give you what's your, I'm looking out for your downside. What's your downside? What's your risk? How do we avoid that? We go into court. I'm zealously advocating for you and I will be aggressive. Um, and I will go after whatever I think is atten attainable. That being said, I built a good rec uh, reputation with like the judiciary. And so they know when I'm coming in there, I'm not going to be asking for something like that. I know I can't get. Uh, they know that like, cause cases usually there's a scale one to 10, 10 is like a home run. One is like, you go to court and you might as well just like throw up on counsel table. That's how bad it is. You're always trying to land in the four to six. I always try to get closer to the six and they know that they know I'm not coming in and taking an unreasonable position that if you see me in court and I know a lot of these judges, if you see me in court, it's because we have a fundamental dispute and I can't get anybody to be reasonable. And that's why I'm there. And and that seems very important with credibility with judges and with opposing counsel, because you probably see the same lawyers over and over again, or at least same law firms, right? It's a pretty small bar. Oh, yeah. We're pretty incestuous. We move around a lot. And uh, it's funny, though, because we might be in court for on opposite sides of cases, literally, and like one fighting for the appointment of a guardian and then the next case on the opposite side of the case and one saying, no, we're not going to, we don't want a guardian. And the judges all know this. And it's like, all right, they, they get it. They're sort of you know, used to us just moving through the motions at this point. But um, yeah, no, we see each other. So that's why it's like one of those like, look, like we've all been on the same side. We've all either represented the husband or the wife or whatever it is. I mean, there's obviously same sex marriage now. So, you know, this moneyed spouse, the non-moneyed spouse, we all know. But like, and there are some lawyers that will take unreasonable positions regardless of which side they're on. There's always going to be a few, but it sounds like you're, you recognize the importance of treating people fairly, doing a good job, getting good relationships with these other lawyers because you're going to see them time and time again. It makes your life better, yes. makes the cases better results for your clients, I think. I agree. I mean, because and the clients come out happier, uh, you know, I mean, look, if I got to go fight, go to court, I mean, I have a trial in a couple of weeks, we're never going to settle. I know we're not. So I'll go do my job. And that's what I get paid to do. 
But if I can help these people move through what is like the going to be the one of the worst times of their lives and get them in and, and move them on and they're happy and they're settled and they're taken care of. Uh, I mean, that means more to me than like going to court and getting a, a grand slam victory. Yeah. All right. I have two questions about children in custody. Yeah. First one is um, what's like the typical way that custody is determined? I mean, you, you said 50 50 earlier. I know you just throw that as an example. Um, but like how do you typically are whether it's with a judge deciding or whether it's the lawyers coming to an agreement, number one. Number two, at what age do the kids have any sort of say-so or vote in what happens? All right, so let me start with the, let me start with the, the latter. Uh, so at 14, they can basically express their, I wouldn't call it expressing their desire. They, they can state which parent they want to live with at that point. Uh, because for whatever reason, the Georgia legislature has said that 14 is the age, I guess it's freshman year of high school that, and one judge used to joke around that that statute must be written on every single bathroom stall at every private school in Atlanta. Cause every kid knows this. <laughs> um, and they do. It's just shocking. I mean, well, I mean, don't get wrong. They all have internet anyway, but on their phones and whatnot. Um, but 14 is definitive age when they can say, all right, I want to live with dad or mom or whatever. And that unless the other parents not fit um, and they always are changing the statute, the legislature. But for the most part, the other parents not fit. Then, yeah, the presumption is you go with that parent. So, so it has some weight. It's got some weight to it. Oh, yeah. In fact, that in and of itself can be the material change of circumstance. You need to go to court to change custody um, regardless of well, it depends on when, you know, if they try to come back earlier. Then at around 11-ish, um, they can express their desire, but it's not controlling on the court, nor is it a material change to warrant a modification of a, a change of custody. Um, and I, I've had, but there's all sorts of other reasons too. I mean, I had a case, I probably shouldn't say specifics, but let's just say things weren't great in mom's home for a variety of reasons. I mean, really horrible stuff happening. And not because of mom per se, but because of someone that mom brought into the house and it warranted a modification of custody. So are you seeing some shenanigans? I'll use that word. Maybe it's the wrong word with parents when their kids are that age to try to persuade them to make certain. Oh, decisions? you mean if like you sign this, I'll give you a car. Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course there's always a little bit of, you know, and so does that come up as like a credibility question? Like in a deposition is like, well, you, you're only doing, and then the poor kids in the in the middle of it, right? They're the 14 year old girl that, you know, shouldn't be put in this situation. Yeah. And then it's come out like, well, you only made this decision because mom promised you a Range Rover, dad promised you a Range Rover, whatever it is. Yeah, there's definitely shenanigans involved mm -hmm. sometimes. That being said, you know, oftentimes they're not because when kids get to that older age, the research, and I'm using air quotes for that, uh, shows that we all say this, the research shows, but psychologists do tell us and, and therapists that we work with that boys tend to gravitate towards their fathers a little more at that point. And, and girls, to the extent that not mad at their moms, will stick with their moms or sometimes vice versa, as you've seen. Um, I'm going to go into detail, but um, that the opposite might happen, but they might gravitate towards one parents and could be personality wise, too. That one parent is just more like that kid and they just bump heads with the other parent. So I, I interrupted my question by asking another one. So I'm sorry about that. But is it when, when, when the decision is made about the custody, is it a judge that ultimately decides that? Or the hope is that the parties get together to come up with a parenting plan or an agreement that will outline the different custodial. So if it's a divorce case, ideally, and I always try to push the parents to come up with an agreement on their own. And I'm not saying 
like literally the two of them get together because that's never going to be good. I try to get him to a co-parenting counselor or therapist, someone who specializes in helping parents work out the details. They know the legal jargon or at least the legal principles that need to be addressed, and they can help them work out a plan that will suit their needs. Because if you go into court, it's likely to be a cookie cutter parenting plan. And that doesn't help them. That might not be specific. I mean, I had some cases where mom's birthday was around Memorial Day. Dad's birthday was literally July 4th. So the summer planning, we catered it. We drafted it specific to them so that it worked for them. Um, Whereas if you go into court, you're not going to get that. Uh, They might not even care about the parent's birthday. And I know it's important sometimes, um, you know, that you want to be with your kids on your birthday or or maybe some people it's not. I don't know. But that's them. But I... I always find that if they can come up to the, uh, find a resolution on their own, they'll be happier. They're more likely to stick to it. They're more likely to encourage the kids to stay with that. And they'll come out of there in a way better co-parenting relationship than if it's forced upon them. So that's always the first goal. Yeah. Let's get together. And is that something that can be done pretty quickly after the first few meetings or do you got to kind of build up to something like that? It depends on a lot of, I mean, that's a typical lawyer answer, right? It depends. But if I've got a good opposing counsel and the parties are not, you know, war of the roses for other reasons, um, I will encourage them and the opposing counsel will too. We'll be like, look, why don't we send them to so-and-so, have them try to work out a parenting plan with them while we work out the finances and everything else. And if they can work it out, great. If not, we can get a guardian ad litem appointed or, you know, if it really needs it, like a custody evaluator, if there's concerns about abuse issues or substance abuse issues or other abuse issues or mental health issues. Um, but I, I try to encourage them to do that. I try to push them to do that. Um, that being said, there are definitely cases where that is not going to happen for a variety of reasons. And so typically we might need to bring in a professional to help out. Uh, how do you handle the 10 o'clock text message of this emergency is happening in our house right now? And I need you, Kevin, right this second. Uh, to do anything, you call the police. All right. And then you send me a message and I'll I'll reach out the following day. Like something like that happened. I think it was last weekend with a client. And um, he's like, I'll call you guys tomorrow. But here's what happened. I called the police. They did a welfare check. And it turned out, yeah, things weren't that great. But they were OK once the police were there. And then after that happened, we did what we needed to do um, because the courts are not open. I can't do anything. I can't call the judge. And yeah, I, I just know that the, the type of work you do lends itself to clients that have needs at odd hours of the night and they want you and they need you and they think that you can do something about it. But you're right. It's like, what what can I do at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night? The courts are not open. Um, well, the one thing I can do and my wife will hear me talk to clients on the week on weekends and she's she's always like, you're not even giving legal advice. Like you're just calming them down and 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 giving them a plan. And well, it goes back to what you said earlier about being a counselor. Yeah, and exactly. that's important. They, you know, it's better that they call you and talk it out and maybe get to a better, more stable spot than go do something irrational and oh, yeah, cause that, problems. That could be even worse. That for could be even case. worse. Right. I mean, so yeah, no, she's and she, my wife is. Spot on. Half the time they call, it is absolutely nothing legally based. It is me just talking them through the issue, maybe bringing them off the ledge, being like, do we really want to call the police? Are you sure about this? Why don't you try one, two, three before we escalate the situation? And she's always amazed at the fact that like it literally... 
I'm not spouting off law or this or that, which I'm like, we don't do that normally. By the way, that's a <laughs> skill that you don't learn in law school, right? Like that that's part of the job. And a lot of it is just listening. Like I'll have clients call me um, and they really just want to tell somebody whatever the issue is. And they, they know that I don't have like a quick fix for an answer. They just want to get it out. And so I can just very patiently and very politely let them talk and I follow it where needed and they feel better. You know, they just they all want someone to listen to them and help them out. And I'm happy to do that. Uh, and I find that I've grown more patient over the years as I've gotten older and been able to cut to the chase. And but in a nice way where I don't scare them off, you know. Right. So. What's the role of grandparents in some of these cases? Ooh, so grandparents, you know, one judge once um, very recently was uh, had two parents in the room and he's like, you know, I wish there was option C. Um, and so grandparents, there is grandparent visitation statute. So you can have grandparents who are involved. There's a lot of criteria. There's a lot. I mean, the, the Georgia legislature has done a good job of expanding the types of um, relatives that can come into cases, especially if you have two parents who are just disasters and cannot have their kids or something happens and their kid is taken away immediately relative steps in and can take over custody of that child. And it, it's great because in those situations, you've got two parents, maybe, you know, drug addicts, yada, yada, um, horrible situation, but family can step in. There's a lot. And also, if you have someone like it's called the Equal Caregiver Act, that being said, it is being challenged left and right uh, to the Supreme Court of Georgia. And we'll see how that you know, survives or, or maybe tweaks to it. But no, uh, relatives, grandparents can come in. And especially if a lot more, you, I mean, we've all heard about it. More kids are being raised by grandparents these days than at any other time. And it's because the parents just can't handle it. And resources and also the parents are, they're just messed up. Um, and they can't handle it. Maybe they had kids too young. Maybe they're drug addicts. And the grandparents step up. And it's it's great all around, in my opinion. The typical case, I say typical, nothing typical, but, you know, husband, wife, couple kids, grandparents on both sides are involved. Everything's going good. Divorce happens for a reason. Yeah. Both grandparents still want to remain part of the kids' lives. They've been doing it forever. Have you seen them step in? Like, hey, this parenting plan, like, we want to carve out some time for us. Or is their time part of whatever, like, their their son or daughter's time is? Their, their time is part of their um, son or daughter's time. Uh, they, uh, um, with with exceptions. And, I, you know, there, there are some exceptions where they can come in and step in. Usually, though, it's in a divorce situation or if, say, one of the parents has, has died. Um, and, you know, they want to make sure that they can continue to see the child. Uh, because they've been a part of their lives. But for the most part, it's during the parents' time. I mean, it's, you know, you got to balance out, like, you know, the federal rights of parents and even the state constitutional rights of parents versus what's in the best interest of the child and what was the bond with the grandparent. I mean, it's not automatic because to take away a child from a parent or to add in a grandparent to the mix, you really have to go above and beyond. But in some situations, it's warranted because you've got grandparents who are super involved and are helping out or maybe mom, dad are living with grandparents and their grandparents are really doing all the parenting. Um, and in that situation, yes. But it, it's all case by case, sure. really, to be honest sure. with you. But yeah. So the case by case situation I always like to read about um, are like the prenups. You know, you see these Hollywood divorces or these crazy numbers. I mean, do y'all get involved in prenups too? Oh, yeah. I do prenups. Um, and... Uh, I enforce them on the back end. I think it's better when family lawyers do them. So 
I've got colleagues who are state planning attorneys. They'll get involved as well because it's a hybrid, a prenup. It can deal with what happens in the event of a divorce, what happens in the event of a death. So if the money is there and the concern is there, I'll bring in a state planning council to help out. Um, And I remember one case I had, one prenup where it was like, I mean, we're not even dealing with the divorce anymore. We're talking about estate planning. And um, but I was basically the liaison between the guy. But for the most part, that's really you can do both. I mean, I try to shy away from estate planning. I sort of like, you know, all right, look, whatever the last will and testament says or any trusts you do can control. But I do a ton of prenups. In fact, I drafted one today. I had a client who. God, she's been trying to get remarried forever now. And I'm like, "Where? okay, I need this. And finally she popped up today. She's like, we're getting married March 1. I'm like, all right, <laughs> short window, but um, very short window. Actually, no, wait, sorry. I'm off on that dates. But she popped up a couple of weeks before the date of the marriage. And I, I was like, look, I can get it done. Um, so hopefully she'll get married on whatever date she's getting married. So uh, do they then look to you to be the one that brings it up to the to the two and like, hey, this would be a good idea. Y'all should consider this. Like, are you the quote unquote bad guy or they already had this discussion amongst themselves, gotten over the awkwardness of the ask. And then my man Kevin is going to execute. By, by the point they come to me, they, they've already talked to the spouse or their, their person because, I mean, it's so it's in our society already prenups i mean you know songs it's on the the reality shows yada yada everyone hears about prenups they all know about it and i think they're good things because it it basically saves the fight at the end i mean it's not good for my business per se but um it does take away a lot of the battle and it does help even if you don't have any money coming into it even during your 20s and you're starting off you have nothing but you know what who knows where you're going to be in 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And, you know, with the way the judiciary is going these days, it'd just be easier to just do it privately. And I always have my prenups where you're going to arbitrate it with someone private, keep it out of the court system. Um, Because if you're coming to me for a prenup, usually there's already a disparity of wealth there in the first place where you got one party who's got millions and one who has two nickels to rub together. Mm -hmm. Um, And they not necessarily want to maintain that, but the one who has the money wants to protect it. Or it could be family money uh, where they, you know, sometimes it's the parents that come and they're like, our kid needs a prenup because they're going to be inheriting a lot. Or trust in 10 years, whatever it might be. So I'm sure the ones that you draft are great, but is the, is it just like contract law? Like whatever is kind of put together, a judge or a court is going to uphold, or is there some amount of conscibility that has to be included? Or So there's there's some hurdles under Georgia law. There's some really defined cases on it. I mean, it's the conscibility argument is not really, that's one of the prongs, but courts really have not addressed that. I mean, for the most part, as long as you're not going completely outside public policy, like I can name a couple of things, but I'm not, I mean, probably not appropriate for this. But um, as long as it's reasonable, really, you can only deal with finances. And we're talking about alimony and property division. You cannot address custody or child support because you got to do that at the time of the divorce. That being said, usually you don't have children. Sometimes you do. I've had a few where I'm like, all right, and by this, they'll be deemed to be legitimated because they already had a few kids before and now they're coming in and getting the prenup. But for the most part, um, it's about money. And it's about what happens in the event of divorce, you know, who keeps their inheritance or who keeps whatever they come in with or how we deal with marital property, uh, alimony to some extent, although I usually try to leave it open-ended because you never know. And 
alimony is like a dinosaur these days. I mean, everyone can work in some form or fashion. And if you haven't worked because you were raising the kids, okay, you need some help to get back. Depending on where you are in your, you know, if you're in your 40s, yeah. If you're in your 50s, close to 60s, you're not probably going to work again. So, yeah, it's appropriate. So I try to leave it open because, again, I'm crafting a document that, one, I hope never, ever sees the daylight. And I, I don't I tell these people, I hope I never see you professionally again in my entire life. And they appreciate that because I'm being sincere in that. But if I do, then I don't know when I'm going to see you and where you're going to be in your life and how many kids, where you're in your career. Maybe things flip flop completely. And so I got to op- I got to yeah, do a broad no, no crystal ball, no staples, easy button. Like there's there's no way to, to plan for all that. that if I had a crystal ball, I would not be doing this. <laughs> right. Well, we might be doing this. Well, yeah, we, this. we might be doing this. I bet, you know, family law, I'd be... <laughs> Gambling on variety of things. Well, speaking of what you are doing, so your firm, couple of years, you've you've grown, you've got associates, you've got all sorts of. So, talk about the setup of your firm, the culture that you've tried to put together, all that stuff. Yes, yeah, so I've been in a couple of firms where you know it's very structured and regimented, and so coming in. So currently, my firm, I've got two associates, one senior, one junior, and a real baby lawyer, but she's got such potential. I mean, it's unreal uh, of counsel. So there's four lawyers um, I'm in growth mode, a uh, couple paralegals, office firm admin, not office manager, firm administrator. Um, and so I'm, I'm in a growth mode. I've been very, I guess, blessed over the last two years with, um, you know, some uh, great success. And I'm hoping to keep that up. And I'm, in, I'm sort of in the prime of my career, mid 40s. So, uh, you know, this is the, the years where I'm trying to keep it going. So I built this up. I, I have a office space not too far from where you are. I'm looking to expand that, um, you know, and, and sort of keep adding people uh, as time goes on. But that being said, I don't want to grow to like one of these gigantic firms of 20 lawyers, which is for family law, relatively big. Um, because I like the culture I've built. I like the fact that, you know, like last Friday, it was four o'clock. We all had a long week. And I was just, I went around, I was like, everyone, shut down, get whatever needs to be out in the next five minutes. And we are shutting the lights off and we're going home and enjoying the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I was telling you earlier, I, you know, every day I'll buy lunch for everybody in the office because frankly, it's a nice thing unless we're going out, which lately doesn't seem like we go out as much anymore because we're just so busy, but I'll bring in lunch. So I love that. And, and I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to ask you about it. Uh, I think it's a great idea. It's an, e- I shouldn't say it's easy because it's not easy because not many people do it. But it's a great touch for people that's not hard to execute. Let me put it that way. Um, so are you talking off property? Are you talking bringing food in, a little bit of both? Everybody sitting together and eating? What's the... The normal dynamic is I'll send out an Uber Eats or DoorDash group order. And the annoying thing is having to walk around because some people I'm like, hello, we're waiting on you. Uh, everyone else has got their order in already. Where are you at? And put your order in. It comes. Um, and for the most part, like we might sit around together. We might do like a case task meeting during lunch. Um, but a few people will eat together. And then frankly, I, I, I'm just at the point where I'm like, all right, let me just eat real quick and dive into my next project, uh, especially lunchtime. It's great to hit the administrative stuff, get that out of the way, um, take a look at some things or um, just really just have a moment for myself. So was the ordering lunch for everybody something that you picked up somewhere else or was that something that you just thought would be a good touch for your firm? I just thought it'd be, it's something I like to, I like to eat lunch. 
Um, and I know everyone else likes to eat and it's good. And, um, it just sort of resets the day. Uh, it's like when you're in a mediation and it's like, you could tell people are getting cranky and it's like time to get lunch. And so I just started doing it. And on Fridays we'll do like a Starbucks order in the morning just to get it. It's Friday. Let's, you know, get some caffeine running through us and get to the weekend. Um, it's just a nice touch. And honestly, I, my staff, Everyone loves it. Um, I'll, there's a couple of people that share space with me. I'll order for them too. And I just, it's, it's an easy thing to do and it just, but it means the world. Uh, and I like to eat too. Yeah. I, gotta no, eat. I, I think it's great. I mean, so when we have depositions here, um, there's typically in, in my cases, more than one set of lawyers just because that's, that's how it is. So you're talking three or four lawyers here. You had the court porter here. You got my client here. You've got my client usually comes with somebody. Um, and so I will order lunch for everybody. And, you know, because I know the deposition is going to go more than two hours and we have a couple options. We can break at 12. Everybody goes their separate ways, come back in an hour and a half. Cause you know, in Atlanta, you can't get somewhere and back and go back. Or I can give everybody an Uber Eats, you know, menu or something. We do a lot of fresh to order. Um, and just say circle what you want and we'll order People appreciate it so much. I'm not doing it to like butter anybody up or do anything other than just like, it's a nice thing to do. It's convenient for your body and people just sit around. And when you're eating lunch with each other, opposing counsel, you're just like normal human beings. You guys should talk about the case and not like, you know, throw errors at each other. So we're all humans and it's nice to sit down and break bread and like, and maybe that finds a way to just lower the temperature of the case. And, but just internally with my, my staff, I mean, I'll go in, we'll eat lunch together. We'll just talk about, you know, what's going on in our lives and kids stuff. I mean, not everyone has kids, but like, you know, what you doing on the weekend, what's going on with this, what's going on with that. And then maybe we'll talk about cases and it's a fun way to sort of bring some levity to the situation. I mean, what we do is not easy. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on us, but it's just nice to just have some downtime. For sure. So you're a fellow East Cobb guy like me, um, involved in some local community marketing. So I won't talk about that, but um, your firm is growing. So, you know, what is your kind of visions for how you market? What's been successful for you? How do you view that part of your job? Um, so marketing wise, I really, to be honest, with, it's not like I'm going out there. I mean, I, I've tried to find a bunch of other lawyers who, you know, around the same age, um, similar interests, and just connect with them and, and, and keep, you know, those relationships going. And also, and at this point, I mean, I had one, a buddy of mine, uh, we went out to lunch. We realized we liked the same type of stuff like Star Wars and Marvel movies. And that was bright. And Star Wars was coming back with the new stuff. And I was like, hey, instead of going to another lunch where we're just going to sit around and talk again, you want to go see Force Awakens with me? Because my kids are too young. My wife doesn't want to go with me. Your kids are too young. Your wife sure as hell don't want to go with you. So we started going to the movies. That's awesome. And then a bunch of other people and um, heard about it. And people are like, can we join you guys? This is so cool. Wait a minute. You're going to go see, you know, Avengers, whatever, Infinity Wars. And we're like, yeah. And we had, at one point, we had to be like, look, this is when we're going. If you can't make it, yeah. like, sorry, but this is when we're going. We're not adjusting our schedule for the 10 of you that are on this text message. That is awesome. So Alvaro, uh, I don't know if you know Alvaro or not, but he was on this podcast a couple weeks ago. And he said, like, everybody likes something. Whether you like going to basketball games, you're going to those Marvel movies. Like, everybody likes something. And so if you can do what you like with other people who like it in the name quote of marketing, like, 
That's all it takes. Yeah. Find out what it is. I mean, that's brilliant on your yeah. part. So we we did the Star Wars. We did most of the Marvels, although frankly, they're just it's it's sort of uh, weaned down a little bit. But uh, and then Braves games. I, I'm part of a group. We got season tickets, so I will try to you know bring a bunch of people, and we got the you know the one of the club levels, and uh, it's nice because it's just fun. And um, and I mean, who doesn't love the Braves? Right, right. even a Philly guy. <laughs> so uh, I was we were talking before we started. Your banners, plural, at Eastside Baseball are like four or five down for mine in the outfield. We're right close by there. I'll make sure I post a picture when I post this on social media. Um, I think that's great too, man. I think it's great to have a presence at the ball at the ball field, the local you know local park. I just I like it. You do too. I feel like I live there. Honestly, it's like we're always there. There's practices multiple times a week. I mean. Granted, we've moved from like rec to hybrid and now travel, but we're still there. And frankly, I just like giving back because that's where we were. And it's it's good to see your it's cool. It's it's like you sponsor something, your kids have gone through it and they're still in it. And we know, I mean, I think most of our social life revolves around that it's, now it's, anyway. It's so true. So Fuller's Park is what we're talking about, Eastside Baseball. Um, my kid started there at five. He's now 13. He'll be 13. So that's you're talking seven, eight years of season after season after season, fall, spring, summer. Um, if you were to log the amount of time we spend there versus everywhere else but our house, I bet that's the most but that's where we spend the most time. And your office, probably. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it's more at each side. <laughs> um but you know, like has somebody seen my sign there and didn't know me and like, oh, I want to call and hire that guy? I don't know if that happens, maybe, but that's not the point. Yeah. I was telling you, I had one sign up at my kids' uh, school and I got one former client to come back to me, but that was it. But it's more of like, all right, I'm doing a good thing for the school or East Side where, you know, and we spend so much time. I mean, it's like Every weekend we're at tournaments and we're all with with the same people. The good thing is the kids love each other and the parents love each other. And that's the best part. Don't ever forget that. Um, that's the key. Because it's if you want to start chasing, you know, the top teams or chasing, you know, a, a ring at a stupid tournament, like that's not what it's all about. Oh, yeah. It is get the kids in a in an environment where they're like with their, their friends, families like each other, because you're with each other every weekend. You want them enjoying the sport. Your kid is 10, is that right? 10, yeah. Okay, so we're we're like year two or so of, of kid pitch? Correct. How's that going? Going pretty well. Uh, it's it's It was an adjustment, that's for sure, because, you know, the kids would step out of the batter box, and it's like, no, you have to stay in there. Uh, do we need to put, like, you know, lead on your uh, cleats or something like that? But it's been fine. My kid actually does a pretty good job of pitching, although uh, I was mentioning he's got a little, little league elbow now, but, you know, uh, hopefully PT will take care of that. Um, but he's loving it actually. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's just about the team. They all really like each other. I mean, it's even when they're not playing, if we have a weekend where we're off, we will still get together. Right. I mean, it's just like, we'll go to someone's pool, we'll hang out. And uh, when we go to our tournament, uh, usually end of June, uh, instead of staying at a hotel, like we started being like, let's all rent a house, Big house, yeah, and just have fun. Yeah, so we've been going to Panama City the last couple of years, and we get two massive houses next door to each other. Five for six families in one house, five or six in the other. That's unique, man. There's not many. I mean, it sounds like y'all can too, but um, there's not a ton of teams that can pull that off. And so, if you find a team like that, stick with it. Oh, it's been great. I'm assuming. Did you go to the Publix Park while you're down there? 
Yeah. That's a great facility. Yeah. The best one we've been to is a shipyard in um, Charleston. Charleston. Yeah. That was incredible. We did Cooperstown last year too. So that'll be when y'all are 12. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so on your, on your son with his elbow, like don't, don't rush anything. Like, you know, like these kids, I know your team is smart about limiting pitch counts, limiting innings, and it's really important. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I want him to, because I know, look, at the end of the day is, I mean, I know where my stock came from. That being said, my, I think my great grandfather played for the Philadelphia Athletics. Well, there you go. So it's, it's in the bloodline. But it clearly skipped multiple generations. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I mean, look, he's, he's going to play for the Braves one day. That'd be awesome. But I want him to be healthy and happy. And, you know, do what he wants to do in life. And be able to play baseball as long as he can and not not be shut down because of arm injuries, things like that. It's just like no no one game, no one tournament, no one weekend is is worth it. So I know that, you, that's I know why you know I that. do what I do, honestly, is to be there for my kids and to just I mean, I love the law. Don't get me wrong. I like helping my clients. But at the end of the day, it's about my family. And it's being able to provide for them and be there for them. And that's the beauty of owning your own firm, too. Yeah, the flexibility is amazing. So speaking with that, providing for your family, people ever need somebody like you, I've got the information right here, but tell people where they can find you, website, phone number, email, however it is, social media. I don't know really what all you got going on, but uh, please share. All right. Well, uh, you can find, well, phone number 770-670-7200. You can look up Ruben Family Law. I've got uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and then www.rubenfamilylawllc.com. Uh, is my current website. And you handle all sorts of family law stuff, anything that's needed. I like to say divorce and family law because people, when they hear family law, they're like, oh, can you do my will? And I'm like, I don't do that. <laughs> uh, but divorce, anything, modifications, prenups, postnups, um, anything custody related, I handle all of that. Got it. Well, if you're out there listening and you find yourself in need of, of that sort of services, my man Kevin's got your got your back and you know where to find him. So, I enjoyed this, my man. I'm glad, glad we got glad we got a chance to do this, um, and I'm glad to hear that you're a a recovering Philly Philly Phillies fan that's now a Braves fan. That makes me very very happy. So, uh, thank you all for listening. I know you enjoyed as much as I did. Go back and and check out some old episodes if you have missed any, and uh, you can find them all at jsteinlawfirm.com or anywhere where you get your podcast. So, until next time, as always, keep chopping. 